I was talking with the president one morning after this 8 o'clock meeting, and he asked me how it was going, and I said, you know, I'm just not happy. It just isn't going the way that I, I wanted to go, and I was explaining to him why. And he looked across the street, because we were meeting over at Wilbur Power House. He looked across the street, and he said, well, why don't you take that parking lot? This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh business blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Rob Gurth, Director of Marketing and Communications for Lehigh Business. Today is January 30th, 2023, and we're talking with Georgette Chapman Phillips, the Kevin L. and Lisa A. Clayton Dean of the College of Business at Lehigh. Dean Phillips' research and teaching is focused on the intersection of law, economics, and public policy. She's published in the areas of urban and regional planning, local government law, real estate, and housing. She also has a law degree from Harvard Law School. Today, we're talking about all of the elements that went into the new Lehigh Business Innovation Building. Let's start at the beginning. When did the idea of expanding the footprint of Lehigh Business come about for you? As we started growing the faculty, we were running out of faculty space. And it became increasingly evident that we had to find more space for our faculty. And as the idea started kicking around in my head, it became very clear it wasn't about the faculty. It was about the students. And if we got more student space, that we could expand the faculty within this building, within Roush. Within this building that we're in now? Yeah, the, within, the old within building. Roush. Yeah, within the old building. So really grabbing the idea of an expansion of student space started to take precedence over just building more faculty offices. Because at the end of the day, the student space is what's going to give us distinction and importance in the marketplace. The faculty offices, we will build them, but that's never going to, to push us to the top. The educational experience that we can provide to our students, that's what can do it. So I did my homework. I um, talked to a lot of people whose field was education, specifically higher education, and how students learn today, how students will be learning tomorrow. Um, and then for exec ed, that was another big driver. We had no space for exec ed within Roush, none at all. And so whatever we built had to also include that component. So we started doing a lot of work on what is the space we should have for adult learners as we expand our executive building. And that really drove the design of the building, all about learning. Do you, do you think it was fate that when you said, hey, I think, I think we should build a new building, that there was a parking lot across the street or catty corner to this corner? I've told this story to many people and I just cannot believe it happened. And it also shows the importance of face-to-face -face meetings. That I was in a uh, Wednesday morning meeting with then President Simon. And originally we were actually going to expand Roush into the courtyard. And I just didn't like any of the designs that were, that were coming up. Like into the center courtyard yes. that I can see from where I'm sitting right now. Exactly. So the building faces out and there's room in the courtyard here. Right. Gotcha. 
I didn't like any of those designs. First of all, they, they didn't give us enough space. Second of all, they cut Zollner off from the rest of the campus. And I, it just, that's just not the way to, to, to do things. And so I was talking with the president one morning after this 8 o'clock meeting, and he asked me how it was going. And I said, you know, I'm just not happy. It just isn't going the way that I, I want it to go. And I was explaining to him why and Zollner. And, and he looked across the street, because we were meeting over at Wilbur Powerhouse. He looked across the street, and he said, well, why don't you take that parking lot? <laughs> And I said, really? He said, sure. Now, as a real estate person, I can tell you, a flat surface parking lot is probably the least productive use for any piece of land. I mean, just to have a flat top parking, that's, no. I was very happy to relieve him of the burden of that inefficiency of land use, <laughs> okay? And it, it just, from there it took off. From there, it really, the design just came into place. We crystallized where we were going in terms of student space and what we needed, exec ed space, it, and the rest, as they say, is history. Was it like a handshake? Like, okay, you can have the parking lot? Was there any seller's regret on his part? Like, oh, wait, she, she meant it. I said, I'm going to take you at your word. He said, take me at my word. I said, fine, good. And <laughs> He didn't take it back, so the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> now, the parking lot, while convenient and across the street from us, only allowed you to build a 74,000-square-foot building. The Roush Business Center is 115,000 square feet. Was there any... First of all, did you wish you had a bigger building across the street? And then second of all, what kind of problems did you run into building on such a uh, small lot? I think you're on every setback that there is. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, there's not an inch to spare over there. You know, the fact of the matter is we're under height restrictions from the city. So there's one subterranean level and three above ground. And that's basically our limit before we start getting into a lot of variances. So do you want it big or do you want it fast? <laughs> Sounds ironic at this point, but we chose fast because we'll talk about the pandemic. But, you know, from a real estate perspective, going back to, to the thing that I know and love best, which is real estate, the more you get as of right with the city, the better off you are. And, you know, you don't want to keep asking for variances. You, you want to say, no, this fits. You don't have to do anything special for me. This fits, because you always have to have permitting. You can't just build it. But it's a much easier conversation if you're not asking them to give you something in addition. So I didn't want to go up any higher, um, because it would have taken time with the city to exceed the, exceed the height limitation. As far as the building envelope, oh, man, it was tight. Oh, it was so very, very tight, because once we started thinking about what we wanted, of course, the building got bigger and bigger and bigger, and pretty soon we were taking up every square inch. And building an edifice of that, of that size in that constrained space is extremely difficult. We had to use that back alley, much to, to the uh, consternation of the people that lived on that alley. We tried to be very good neighbors. We paid for their parking because they had a hard time getting in and out of their um, houses and their parking spaces. So we gave them free parking. They're students. It's student housing. We gave them free um, parking. We bought 
a lot of pizza for them, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we listened to them. We tried very, very hard to be good neighbors. And I know you had to store a lot of uh, materials, like the stone and such, off-site, and, and shuttle it in, like, day by day. Interesting that you mentioned that. The roof was delivered to us, but they required that we take delivery on site. There's no place on site. They, we said, well, we'll sh store it up at Goodman. They're like, nope, because that's where we store most things. Lehigh has a lot of space on mountaintop and up on the Goodman campus. They're like, nope, you have to store it on site. I think they were trying to prevent hoarding. Yeah. Well, luckily, just luckily, there is this little triangle of space down the street from the police station, which was close enough for them that they delivered. I mean, literally, that we put up fencing around that little triangle, and we stored our roof there. We talked about some of the difficulties in the construction, but I guess the biggest one that we haven't mentioned yet, and probably should, is the worldwide pandemic that happened in the middle <laughs> of your construction. So yeah, this, this project was green-lighted by the Board of Trustees in February 2020. It was a glorious day. It was such, I was so, so happy that day. Uh, we had meet, met our fundraising um, requirements and it was rainbows and unicorns, so very happy. How quickly it turned dark, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like we, a month later. Oh, not even a month later. Um, the governor of the Commonwealth shut down all construction everywhere. Now, of course, if you remember, Lehigh's had several construction projects actually in the ground at that point. The three new dorms were in the ground, and so they had to be stopped. And I was just beside myself because our project wasn't in the ground. We'd done all of this fundraising, millions and millions and millions of dollars of fundraising. And we weren't in the ground yet because we were supposed to you know, start digging the hole in June of 20. And so there was a really dark time there when we didn't know what the pandemic was going to do. I mean, I don't think that it stretches the imagination that we were wondering, were we going to exist as a people? I mean, this could have been like yeah. some black plague type, you know, event that happened across the country, across the world. Nobody knew in March of 20 what was going to happen. So there's no way that I could say, well, I think that we should start building. First of all, like I said, the governor said, you're not building anything. And second of all, we were just trying to, to swim fast to stay even as a university, and we weren't going to divert our attention to starting a new building project. Then things started to get better. We started seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. The governor lifted the moratorium on building so that we got the um, three dorms done. So at the end of 2020, the Board of Trustees reaffirmed the green light. And that was, again, a happy day. Because they could have changed their mind, oh, right? Oh, because, like, we don't have as much money as we used to have now, all the, and even the backers that were backing you could have backed out. I was, it, was, it was who knows. I mean, we are not engaging hyperbole. We could be dead. I mean, not the university. We, as human beings, could be dead. There were people dying left and right. It was, it was such an incredibly scary time. So we got through that. The end of 2020, they reaffirmed their commitment to the building. 
and because we are, you know, we raised a lot of money, but we do have a university contribution. We raised the bulk of the money, and but the university was was quite supportive of what we're doing. When they did that, I was like, oh my gosh! And then we finally broke ground in May of 21. So yeah, we lost over a year. And was that your? I guess this is a dumb question, but was that your biggest obstacle, <laughs> or you you had other obstacles? That are caused, but that are left over, I guess, from the pandemic. And I'm talking about supply chain. Yeah, supply chain issues continue to. But the irony of the situation is the big supply chain issues we did avoid. Because when we got the green light in February, we ordered big building material. I mean, like steel, concrete. They're just the really big ticket items. And we locked in those prices. The roof. Just before the pandemic. Before the pandemic hit, we, we locked it all in because we were, and that was seriously good luck because remember I was talking about the roof. They told us in fall of 21, after we broke ground in May of 21, they told us in fall of 21, we have your roof. We can deliver it to you now, or we can deliver it to you next June, maybe. How are we going to build a building if we were going to wait, you know, seven months for eight months for a roof? I mean, you can't do that. Right. And so the, the, the only thing that we had to do is show them we were going to store it on site. And we did. Mm-hmm. So that, that was lucky. We dodged that bullet big time. And then we talked a little bit about uh, funding a project like this. What, what goes into that? Is that how, how <laughs> it's probably an immense task. How, how do you go about even starting to fund something like this? It all starts with the idea. I, I cannot say a big enough thank you to our initial donors. I, I, I say thank you to all of our donors, of course. I mean, the generosity has been astounding. Our Lehigh alums have just been amazingly generous. But I have to give a special nod to the people that signed the commitment while it was still very much in the design and and thought process. You always have to have those people that believe in the idea. And then you have people coming along as the idea becomes reality. But our early adopters, I just say thank you. Because without them, without their faith Mm -hmm. that we would get this done, we wouldn't be sitting here. When you're planning a building like this, how do you decide what's what? oh, we need a place for this, and we need a place for that, and I want to have these kinds of screens, and I want to have this, I want to have a lobby. You know, how do you even start that? Well, first you get good architects. Okay. (laughs) Okay? Because the imagination drives the reality. And our architects, um, VMA out of Philadelphia, an amazing group of, and talented group of people, the first thing that they did was we had big meetings, students, staff, faculty, because everything was on the table. I mean, what you're seeing now wasn't like it didn't come out as a whole project. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything possible was on the table. We can do this. We can do that. You know, for example, you notice there's no food over there. That was a decision that we had to make. Do we want a cafeteria of it? Well, no, we decided other things were more important. And the way that we went about it is that we had big focus group meetings and people said, no, this is important to me, this is important to me, this is what I want. This, And we took all of those ideas 
and prioritize them, thought about how they are going to help us achieve greatness, not keep us where we are. Yeah, I don't want to duplicate what we're doing here. I mean, what, what we have here is fine. I want to take that next step. And so you have to think about not just what people wish they had here, but kind of anticipating what they're going to need in the future. So a lot of the classrooms, you know, it's funny now that we're talking about it, but this was an absolute priority as we're thinking about the classrooms, is that we wanted them all to be um, modality neutral, that we could have people on site, we could have people remote, we could have people at the same time. Remember, when we're talking... That was because, pre everybody knew oh, what Zoom this was. was. This was in 2019. Yeah. Um, 20, actually, 2018, 2019, when we were doing all of this design. There's no way that people were, were thinking about, oh, this is how I'm going to be teaching every day of my... And yet, here we are. Yet here we are. It's, it's really funny that um, we had a faculty meeting, a Lehigh Business faculty meeting in February of 20. And a big discussion point was um, hybrid learning, you know, remote, remote learning. And people were adamant. We will never teach in a remote environment. We're just never going to do that. This is Lehigh. We, and then a month later, hello, Zoom, <laughs> okay? <laughs> And, but we had anticipated that. And then the flip side happened that I had people say, well, why are you building all of these classrooms? Nobody's going to be in the class, this is in the height of the pandemic. Nobody's ever going to be in a classroom. Everything's going to be hybrid. And I said, you know what, we're Lehigh. We will be back. But we've learned now that we have to offer several modalities of instruction. Well, let's talk about some of the features in the new building, the, the features that are there for faculty, for students, for staff. What, what, give me the highlights. I just got back from a, a walkthrough, and so it's fresh in my mind. And the first thing that you think about is openness. It is so open. It's big. It's bright. It's beautiful. You don't feel claustrophobic. And your geography really does dictate your interaction with each other. So if you're feeling very constrained, very closed, you're probably going to remain that way. If we give you big open spaces to think, hopefully that you will do that. So the classrooms are designed so that the students have the ability and the faculty have the ability to interact with each other while in the classroom. There is one what we would call a traditional horseshoe classroom simply because we got to teach Eco One, right? <laughs> you know, that's just you know, it's a fact of the matter. There are we do have to have some big classes, but the vast majority of the classrooms are built so that there is no one way that students are learning in the classroom. There's two things that we wanted that were always front of mind in our design process: flexibility and adaptability. Flexibility meaning that when the faculty and the students are in the classroom, they can do things, they can move the tables, they can have you know, everything. Adaptability acknowledges that the way that we're teaching today probably is not going to be the way that we're teaching in 25 years. We want the building to age gracefully. We want the, the building to adapt to modalities of teaching that we don't even think about now. 
Are there any during the course of the construction, uh, during the course of the whole process, even when you, you first thought about it, are there any special moments that were like positive, like that was really a special moment that I had with somebody or just as you were walking through the building one day or any, anything like that? I still marvel when I walk into the building and I see that big, beautiful lobby. Uh, it's just spectacular, just spectacular um, with the open staircase. And when I go into the classrooms, especially the classroom in the round, that it, just being in that room, in the round classroom, makes me want to teach in a different way. And that's the goal here, that we allow the faculty the license to do things differently. We don't constrain them by how things are set up. We say to them, how would you like to teach? Here, here's an, basically a blank canvas for you to use. So the, the classroom in the round really does excite me. The view from executive education is amazing. You know, the, the idea that we didn't have exec ed, and now not only do we have exec ed, we have such a marvelous space to welcome members of the business community into Lehigh. I don't think we do enough of that. We're very good with our undergraduate students, with our graduate students. We don't do enough of bringing the business community into Lehigh, and that's what this space does. And I have to say, the, the views from the first and second floor classrooms are spectacular, too. Yeah. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a gorgeous building. <laughs> so now you have two buildings. Lehigh Business is two buildings now. Right. It, it, some people are like, what are you going to do with the old building? And yeah, we, we definitely, I mean, first of all, not, for this germ of the idea was we have to build more space for the faculty. There's not one faculty office over there. <laughs> <laughs> so how are we getting more faculty? Because we definitely need the faculty space here in, in Roush. So we are moving the graduate programs office over there, and that opens up a lot of space. And um, we're giving more space to the undergraduate programs office um, by moving the Roush Center for Business Communications over to the new building. We're moving out the financial services lab. Mm -hmm. And because we don't have a faculty lounge, we don't have you know, space for the fact, so we're changing that to be the faculty lounge. So we can reuse the Roush space for a less intensive use, a less, you know, not teaching oriented use, and solve the faculty problems. So, yeah, we still need every square inch of the building that we're in right now. <laughs> so what does this new building do for the future of Lehigh Business as far as the college's mission and, and goals? Well, I mean, the most obvious thing it does is that it provides a space for exec ed. I mean, that's, that, was a, that was another major driver of the, of the building, that we had no exec ed space, and now we have gorgeous exec ed space. So that really plants our fl flag very prominently. And I have to give a nod to the folks um, in the Vistex Institute for Executive Education that the pandemic was rough for every exec ed program across the nation. There are several business schools that I know of that closed down their exec ed business because those were, those were dark days. And we managed to keep our business open um, 
to the point that now we're, we're back to thriving. We were doing extraordinary business beforehand. We kept the fires burning during the pandemic. I say we, it was really the, the folks up in Vistex Institute that did such a great job. But now we're back rolling and it's gonna be even better when we start to have our own space. So that's one of the first things that it does. It really plants a flag in the ground that we are a full-scale business school. We are undergrads, we are master's students, we're PhD, and we are exec ed. So that's the number one thing that it does. Secondly, it allows our business students to learn in a business simulated model that so much of the things that they do will be presentations, group work, you know, all of the things that business people do that we have to give them real life experience. We are giving them great space for interviews that a lot of times, you know, especially since the pandemic, students have to do remote interviews. And it's asynchronous. This is probably would scare me to death if I were a student. But you get the questions. You, you have to upload a video of yourself answering the questions. Oh, with no, no questioner. It's just you and you. You and you. Wow. And you know, that's kind of tough to do in your dorm room. Yeah. <laughs> okay? It's, and we're giving them great space dedicated for that purpose. Mm. Um, with the One Touch Studio, they go in, they record, they upload, they leave. Mm. And they send it in and hopefully get great jobs. Yeah. So it's those kinds of things that um, I'm most looking forward to. One of the great spaces in that building is for Lehigh Ventures Lab. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. This is so incredibly exciting. This is the university's first space to actually launch businesses. Uh, Lehigh Ventures Lab is a collaboration between the Baker Institute and Lehigh Business. Our goal is to highlight ventures that have commercial viability and incubate them to the point that they're ready to fly out. Pre-age, early stage businesses. So graduates, faculty, whoever it may be, spending time within the lab with the support of Lehigh Business. So, you know, we kind of, we on the Lehigh Business side provide the, it's called educational backbone, you know, finance classes if they need them, business plan help. Our SBDC is an integral part of this because um, the folks from SBDC will run classes for the folks in, that are resident in the Ventures Lab and getting them their exit strategy to launch. We've done a really good job at the university of instilling in many of our students an entrepreneurial mindset. All the wonderful things that Baker does, just getting students to think, what, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? We're gonna take those who want to dedicate their profession to this and give them the space to grow. You talked about it a little bit because you were just over in the new building, uh, but right now, as we record this, we're about five weeks away. Yes. What What are your thoughts right now? What are you thinking? I joke about this, but I cannot think of an analogy that that suits me better. 
that I have been pregnant now for 24 months and I want to give birth, <laughs> okay? And I remember when I was getting ready to give birth, it was an anxious time because you've been waiting for so long. Everybody tells you it's going to be fine, it's going to be fine. But until you see that baby and you count the fingers and the toes and you hear the wail, you're like, will it really be fine? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I can't wait on March the 3rd when we have our big opening celebration to count the fingers and count the toes and hear, hear the squeal of delight of my baby. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's five weeks away. There's a, just a myriad details, myriad details that you just, just have to slog through and, and pray that everything keeps falling in the way. You know, for example, all of the furniture in the classroom and the round was delivered damaged. We did not anticipate damaged furniture. Well, it should be in, in about 10 days, but still, that's the kind of anxiety that, you know, fingers and toes, fingers and toes. I have to go back to what I said when I started this job in July of 2014. That one of my most pressing goals was to take the Lehigh, at that point, the Lehigh College of Business and Economics and transform it into a world-class business school. Undergraduate, master's, executive education, you know, that we are known for being a business school. And the building goes a long way to that that it shows that we do pay attention to executive education, that we do have master's students throughout the building. You know, our, our flagship MBA program, which is still, it's, it's an incredible program, but it is part-time in the evening, and so you don't see a lot of these students many times. So there was, there's no visibility. Well, now we have a daytime MBA program. Now we have other daytime master's programs. So we're seeing those students in the building. We're seeing executive education in the building. And of course, our wonderful undergraduates. I mean, they are just spectacular. And we're continuing to see them. So it's not to diminish the undergraduate side. It's to bring up everything to that level and the building really does help us do that. I've been talking with Dean Georgette Chapman Phillips. She's a professor in both the Perella Department of Finance in the College of Business and in the Africana Studies program in the College of Arts and Sciences here at Lehigh. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu news and follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. I'm Rob Gurth. Thanks for listening. <laughs>